take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. So, you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about mental health, and we have a lot of advocates and, and um, speakers and, and people who talk a lot about their own experiences, which is great. But today, I'm really, really excited to uh, welcome to the show uh, Thoughts Undone, the great and powerful Sydney Dean. How are you? I'm doing very well, Brian. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> really appreciate you being here. Um, you are a, as I pull up your bio, just to make sure I get it right, a registered professional counselor candidate mm-hmm. uh, so does that just mean you're kind of like in train like some sort of training um before you get like something a little bit official or is that more of an official title yeah that just means that i'm under supervision still right okay yeah um what i'm really interested in about this because it's always one thing to say you want to help people you know as as someone who's involved in, in mental health you know i'm, I'm always like yeah, if you ever want to chat, I'm here to listen. And, 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 you know, all those things are great. But I I also find I never know what to say. And I'm afraid to say certain things in case it gets, you know, out of hand in certain ways, or they misinterpret it. What I'm interested is how does one decide, you know, this is what I want to do with my life, I want to talk to people about, like, the hardest things that they think about, and they've, they've gone through what what sparks a decision like that? That's probably a long, a long-winded story to go with that, but please feel free to share it all. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel almost as though it's it's kind of a decision that I guess I didn't make very lightly, and I also didn't really make intentionally, if that makes sense, in the same stroke. Um, I've always been kind of like called if that's something that you want to say, like called towards doing it because I have throughout my life in like various circumstances found myself in positions where I am just genuinely deeply interested in what is going on with people, um, particularly when they're going through like a tough time. Um, So I often would find myself in positions where I would be giving like advice to a friend or like consoling a family member, um, just kind of like giving myself in like the service of others. And it's something that I feel like I was like really good at doing and I was very interested in doing it. And so I decided that like I would be a good fit to like go ahead and like do that like as like a career move. Um, and I can't, I honestly can't really see myself doing anything else. Like I, I'm a very much like a a people person in that sense. Like this is, I, yeah, this is what I guess I, I see myself doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've always wanted to ask the question, um, you know, when you have people around you talking about really difficult subjects, Mm-hmm. What does that do to like your own mental health? Like, how do you kind of separate the 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 job versus you know um, your personal life? Because I'm sure a lot of it gets taken home with you. Like, you know, what is mm-hmm. what is that toll like for for people in your field? I've always just kind of been curious about it. Yeah, um, it's something that like like going through training and stuff and like going through school. <clears throat> um, 
you're always kind of like warned about or not well yeah warned to be like aware of like transference and countertransference which is essentially when something in like your your client uh like triggers something in yourself um and if you're like not careful like you'll bring that into the counseling relationship um so i'm always like aware of that uh like the potential for that i should say um so i think like from my perspective like i i definitely have to be aware of that and like kind of keep it in check I guess you could say. Um, Cause yeah, like some things can be really heavy and some things can like trigger things that are painful for me, like based on like mm. my own experiences and whatnot. Um, but that's like the same case with like, if you're like talking with a friend and it's someone that you really care about and they say something that like makes you feel sad. Um, I guess like from my perspective, like I definitely have to, be aware of like the boundaries that I have for myself. And I I think that like, I do a fairly decent job of like knowing where my trigger points are and like knowing like where my, like my pain points are um, and like owning that and like not like putting that in someone else's story and like being sure not to put their story like in my story. Um, So yeah, it becomes like a a question of like invisible boundaries, I guess you could say. Interesting. Um, How, you know, you just kind of brought up a, an interesting point that those, those invisible boundaries, and I'm just trying to think about how, I, like, I want to frame the question because, mm. you know, when someone says something that might be triggering to you, um, or like bring up, or you just said, you know, inserting yourself into someone else's story, like, can you just like elaborate a little bit more on on what that means and what that that might look like? Um, you know, would it be something as being said that like someone said like, uh, you know, one time I was bullied in school. Is it mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, so was I. And then, you know, you kind of take away the 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 part of the story from, from your patient or, you know, I'm just trying to like wrap my head around it and, and decipher it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a great question. Um... I think it would really depend on like the like the individual uh, counselor and like how they uh, like dealt with that. Like I, I guess you could like insert yourself in the sense that um, you could take on their story and like, but at the same time also like your like the role of like a therapist or like a counselor isn't to um, to like tell your own story. Um, so I, I think that like most people will be like very cautious to do that. I guess the way that I meant it was in the sense of like hearing someone's story and like resonating deeply with it to the point that you're like, Ooh, like that like triggered something in me that like is maybe like an icky, like pain point. And then therefore like not being able to be like unbiased in the, like the space that you're trying to hold for someone and like the advice that you're trying to give to them, because you're no longer speaking from like a neutral standpoint. You're speaking from, a place of I once went through something similar and I was like really sad and like affected by it in that sense and this might have been something that like I would have done at that point um if that makes sense gotcha yeah yeah you know I'm also kind of picturing it like maybe someone 
comes in and, and starts talking about a, a problem that is like totally against your what you believe in, in in your life and that you have to kind of be like whoa okay like got to separate this like from my personal versus professional type thing mm-hmm. you know like yeah. someone comes in they're like I, I hate this particular group of people and they're causing me all these issues and you're just kind of, okay you know and you have to like really kind of hold yourself back and think it out yeah absolutely and part of it is like a really like fundamental part of any sort of counseling relationship is like the, they call it like the therapeutic dynamic or the therapeutic relationship, sorry. Mm. Um, and so like, like what that means is essentially like the fit of the two people and like if they'll like vibe, um, if they like click, if they get along together. Um, so it, it's, it's up to both parties to like individually determine if they feel as though there is like a, a good dynamic between the two. Um, so if there was someone who came in that was like, like fundamentally like against your viewpoints, it would be a good decision to choose to not work with them. If you feel as though like you would be impaired in your ability to like help them. Mm, right. Um, and then likewise, if, uh, like an individual was seeking counseling um, and they found someone that uh, like they didn't click with, like they would have the ability to say like, Oh no, actually like I'm going to keep searching for someone else. Um, So it is like, it's an interesting uh, like forming of a relationship, but yeah, it takes like both parties to determine Mm -hmm. like, is it going to be a good click or not? Or a good fit? I'm, I'm as a as like a, a host who works in media and has a podcast mm-hmm. I love that you brought that up because it's like sets up the segue yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like my next question is going to be you know as someone who as, I shouldn't say as someone but just you know on Twitter and on social media you know and a lot of like follow a lot of advocates and, and people who might be struggling and they use social media as an outlet mm. one of the biggest things is like people see a lot of people don't like therapy because they have an initial you know like they didn't get along with their therapist or mm-hmm. the person didn't listen or they felt they didn't listen or didn't give them what they wanted to hear you know how delicate of a of a balance between like sales and being yourself but having someone come in you know like does there need to actually be a, a like a, a good friend relationship or like on the other hand like could you also get something from someone who you might not a, agree with but like gives you those those straight goods that you need to hear you know what I mean like they don't kind of sugarcoat anything and they're like this the, like this is what's going wrong and you might not like to hear it but this is it you know what I mean like where's that kind of balance between you know all those different elements on, on seeing a patient. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of rambling rather than a question. <laughs> to do that, That's but. okay. Yeah, no worries. Um, uh, where I, my mind, when you were, as you were speaking, I was like going to like different places, like where I wanted to touch on. Um, so where's my mind taking me right now? I feel like it's almost like a perfect not a perfect storm that's maybe not what I'm trying to say it's like such a fine balance that you have to find and it's also I think from my perspective 
um, like it's like going into like any sort of like therapy, regardless of what it is, it's probably going to like bring up things that are uncomfortable. Um, and so it, it makes sense that like people, like some people might not like therapy because of that, because it brings up things that are uncomfortable. And if that is like paired with someone who you don't feel safe with, or you don't vibe with, then of course that's also going to leave a bad flavor in your mouth, um, in terms of like the, like the therapy situation. Um, I, I really feel like it comes down to like the relationship between the two people involved, because like, even if something is uncomfortable, that's like discovered or like talked about, like in a therapy situation, um, if like the space and the dynamic is supportive and it's safe, then there is like the safety that's there naturally that like people feel comfortable like leaning into. Um, yes. And that's like something it takes time to like build trust and it takes time to like build that connection. And so it's like a very delicate, I guess, like relationship in that sense, because like you in one, on one hand, you're, you're there and you're supportive. And there is like this, as you said, like no sugarcoating kind of thing, but then there's like the delicateness of trying to like support someone through something that's like really difficult. Um, so it is like an interesting balance of like showing up for a person as well as, um, like understanding that you are like with them in a time that's like difficult or it can be difficult. Mm -hmm. One of the, the weirdest kind of things I've experienced going through, you know, my story and my journey and in, into exploring all the, the issues I have, but it's like that balance between when is it okay to be compassionate, you know, from somebody to me or to myself or mm -hmm. when do I need that, you know, for lack of a better phrase, like kick in the ass, that, that tough love, you know, which one am I going to respond to at a certain time and learning that it's such a, it's difficult. It's really, really hard. Yeah. You know, some, it changes up on me so much. And I, I just know a lot of people struggle with it and, and with that balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost like a, it's like you have to like read into situations like when does a person need something like when is there a way to be compassionate while still giving them like the kick in the ass you know mm -hmm. um yeah it can be tricky for sure to navigate those waters because you don't want to like push someone too much but you also don't want to like not show up for them in the way that like they need you to for sure what are your thoughts on it yeah it that's what I mean. Like if someone told me, Ryan, listen, you can, you just need to take care of yourself. Um, mm. and you know, you can just lie in bed all day. You know, I would, and I don't know if that's good for me. Like there, yeah. there's a, a large part of me that really gravitates towards a little bit of a, a tougher approach. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is like, you know, I'll watch people run, not actually like what but they'll post a quick video of them like running a hundred miles or something and they're just like you can tough it out you can get through it you can you know like just it's mind over matter type stuff and 
you know, mm-hmm. like I find that very, motiv- I'm not going to go run a hundred miles. It's like, I can't do that. But you know what yeah. I mean? Like, those exuberant amounts of like athleticism and, and strength. I'm like, I find myself, oh, if they can do that, I can do this. Um, you know, sometimes I need people to put things very bluntly to me or, or mm-hmm. else I'm just gonna, my mind's going to be like, like just all over the place. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, racing every scenario until they're just like, no, Ryan, this. I'm like, oh yeah okay you're right okay and then it's, like, it's all gone right mm-hmm. yeah yeah at the same time, I don't want to be am I doing harm to myself by always trying to push through all these different scenarios mm-hmm. with that approach you know it's that's what I mean by that balance like how do you know what's right and wrong and to do in that particular moment mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um yeah, I think it can be very tricky, like thinking about it from like, like a personal standpoint, like, in, like thinking about it, like in my own life, there are definitely times when like, I need that kick in the butt. And there are times when like, I need someone to be like soft, or like, I need to learn to be soft with myself. Um, I think it is very much like a balance and like, tuning into like what you need, like in a given moment. And like, knowing yourself enough to, to know like, when you need that kick in the pants or like when you need that like soft that softness i guess um it's a fine balance for sure and i think it takes time to figure out what you need and i think it also depends like in the situation like like situation to situation yeah for sure absolutely um getting into you know therapy and stuff because it's something that at least for me i like kind of recommend to everybody whether they are you know they have a a mental illness or certain experience that needs to be dealt with or they're like they're they're fine and like it's just kind of like a someone to chat with and and work Mm -hmm. on your work on your kinks it just I find it just makes you so much more of a a wholesome person and makes you think about things you're not going to think about Mm -hmm. so I I, I like to recommend it for everybody but I'm kind of wondering because a lot of people especially when they're struggling it's, it's really hard to get them to take that initial step to to going to going basically do you have like sort of like maybe clear up misconceptions that surround counseling services uh therapy psychotherapy all those types of things are there certain things that maybe you hear people talk about that and you're just like no no no, no. like that's not true like it's more like this like is there any you can think of off the top of your head the the immediate one that like comes to my mind, which I don't know if it like specifically speaks to the question that you uh, like asked or like posed, um, but like the big misconception that like I find myself like battling in terms of like a counselor is that like it's not my like job to fix someone's problem. Mm. Um, it's like my job to help someone, um, be like comfortable and like find strength or find compassion for themselves or find meaning in the situation and to like help them realize that they have the capacity to, um, to navigate their own lives, I guess. Um, cause I'm not like the expert of, of like anyone's life and like, uh, like no therapist, counselor, psychotherapist, psychologist, whoever is 
like the expert of someone else's life. I mean, like to an extent, like you can give like advice, especially when you get into uh, more uh, like challenging situations that come with like specific uh, like mental diagnoses. But um, for the most part, I mean, like people know there is like strength that everyone possesses and like people know or have an inkling as to like what they can do or what they should do to like help themselves or like the way that like they need help from like other people. And so like the way that I look at my position is like, I'm here to um, like help you help yourself. If that makes sense. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Cause I think a lot of like, you know, before I started going the, the uh, picture I had in my head now, I don't know if you've ever, seen uh bill and ted's excellent adventure i don't i don't i shouldn't judge it but i don't expect you have before have you i don't think i have no no that's okay familiar so anyway so (laughs) two guys it's like a doofus movie but like they uh they go through time to try to um finish a a history report and they they get a bunch of famous figures anyways when i think of therapy i always go back to sigmund freud because they grab sigmund freud and he's like this this white like old dude white hair beard mm-hmm. with a pipe and stuff and, yeah you know that's kind of like my perception of it and me lying on like a little sofa and them asking me about my dreams and my parents and them being like oh mm-hmm. you know you have this undying you have this you know like you're afraid or you feel trapped in your life and you need to do this right like that was always my perception of it until I found mm-hmm. it like I went and I was like oh like I literally just I'm like talking and yeah kind of talking with me and then I it's like oh okay cool (laughs) yeah um and I mean like yeah Fred's a classic like example to bring up and he comes from like a very like particular uh like therapy standpoint so there's like the different sorts of like standpoints or like houses that you can think of so like psychodynamic and humanistic and all the other variations Mm. um and so like with each practitioner like they have like a different viewpoint or like stance that they take based on like theories and so some people will like pull from different theories and some people will be like firmly rooted in one um I think that I guess I probably can't say that for certain but I feel like a lot of people would probably have like more of like a mixed bag of like I like this from that and that makes sense for this thing and this makes sense for that thing um and it becomes more of like an eclectic view of like helping someone as opposed to like a one size fits all. And that's like, a like I'm summing it up like very quickly. Um, but yeah, I definitely know what you mean because like I also assumed uh, like similar things when it comes to therapy of like what it would be like and how I would be helped and like that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, like it's, I think it, and of course, it like it comes down to the individual too. Like, who is it? Like, as an individual, like as a person that is helping, like a client or is helping someone. Um, yeah, it's a very. It is a very like personal thing, I guess. Like the way that you feel like you can help someone, or the way that you can um, show up for someone. Like the the theories that you provide, or the theories that you like are rooted in, and like the advice you give from that, and then like your own personal twist on it. Um, yeah, 
I don't know if I spoke well, to anything. <laughs> I really am interested in sciencey stuff because I literally, I'm like, I always sucked at science and math, so I just I always stayed away from it. So my mm. favorite thing is just talking sciencey stuff just to get a better understanding. So what are some of like the theories and please go as deep as you want into them that you kind of pull from or is it really like you're talking to me and you're hearing me say these things and like you'll go back to the textbook and be like okay I think Ryan is you know xyz and you'll use it uh, apply those to my particular situation or is there things you're more kind of like grounded in and use on a regular basis um I think it would depend like the like each person I feel like would have a different approach. I guess like the way that I look at it or like the way that I do it is like an understanding or a viewpoint or like a worldview that I already hold. Um, and that like helps me be able to like talk with someone in a way that feels like very natural to me, because if I'm trying to pull from things that like I don't necessarily agree with, or they don't really like make sense for my worldview, then like I would have a much harder time like relating with someone and like empathizing with someone. Um, so like things that like I think about a lot are like going back to the whole, like you are like the expert of your own life, uh, like, a, like a humanistic approach or like narrative sort of like the stories we tell ourselves. And um, of course, like I, I think that like looking at the past is like very important to like tell like where a person is like in the present moments, so, like attachment theories and um, like there's so many things to take into consideration when it comes to anybody, um, which is something that like I like think about like in my day to day life with like friends and family members and like people that I talk to in more, a more professional setting. Um, there's like so much that goes into a person like showing up as they are and that changes like so frequently based on like the experiences that they have and like who they are who they interact with that it's it's like a good thing to be able to like pull from different areas and not be so like firmly rooted in like one house or another or like one field in another or in right. another do you find it hard to turn it off um, you know, like you're talking to just like a, a random friend over the phone who was telling you about a something that happened and like, do you find it hard to like turn it off and maybe not analyze people in, in a professional way? Or is it like pretty easy to like separate it when you get back to regular life? Um, I think that like I... I guess I would be going back to like um, talking about like from like being younger and like realizing that like I had this like desire to help people and I had this kind of like uh, like ability to be able to like understand someone's perspective and like empathize with them. So it's kind of just like who I am mm. um, to be able to do that. That's a great question. Um, it's one of those things, you know, I, it's like, yeah, it, when you, when you're talking to people all day and you kind of are just listening to them and then figuring out different patterns and, and different things. Like, I wonder, do you like subconsciously do it? Like when you're talking mm. to your partner and then you kind of have to stop yourself and be like, no, no, like it's normal conversation. I'm, I'm not meant to 
give them advice on this one or, you know, unsolicited advice because I think, was thinking of this thing, you know, it's just kind of like one of those, like as a, as a, as a marketing professional, I find I, I extremely hard to turn off because everything mm. I see, I'm like, oh, I could use that for this or, well, it was a great commercial. I wonder how I could manipulate it. You know, it's, it's one of those mm-hmm. things turn off. Yeah, definitely. I think if anything, um, I become like almost like more quiet. Like I don't, I feel like I don't actually give a lot of advice to uh, like friends or like partners, that sort of thing. I try to take more of like a neutral position where it's like, I'm here to like listen. Um, Which doesn't mean that I don't feel the things that like they're talking about. Um, but I also like very much like just try to like empathize with them and like really like give them the space to like feel into like their own situation. And like most of the time, like the people that I talk to on like a, uh, like a personal level, like friends and that sort of thing, like a lot of the time they just like want someone to listen to them, um, which I have like no problem doing. Um, but I mean, if someone like does ask me for advice and I have no issue with like giving it, of course, but like, I, yeah, I try and I've always tried. I think that's always just kind of been like my uh, my natural default would just be to like hold space and to like let someone talk and like ask for the things that they need as opposed to like give advice if it's not necessarily necessary. Can you tell me a little bit more what um, like holding space means? I've, you know... Um, I've heard people use that that term a lot and just kind of like clarification on what that kind of like looks like and how you can do it well. Yeah. Um, I know what you mean when it comes to like the term holding space. It's something that like I've heard for forever. Um, and I feel like it has different like meanings along the way. I think it like would depend like on the person and like what that means for them. But like the way that I think about holding space, um, it's coming from a place of being like very neutral and like non-judgmental. And so like going into it and like being there for the person and like not being there for yourself, like not having an agenda to like make a point across or to get a point across or to get anything across um, to like, give focus and attention and like compassion to the person who is like speaking. Cause I think, yeah, the way that I understand like holding space, it's like often in situations where someone is like talking or a group of people are talking and there's uh, like vulnerable things that are being brought up and it can be like uncomfortable and scary. And so like, as the person who is listening, it's like you're Uh, job to hold the space for the person so that they feel comfortable in that discomfort Um, so with that in mind like the way that I think about it is like I'm here to listen to you to not judge you to be neutral and to give you the floor to Mm. um, to say what you need to say and then like ask for what you need to ask for me um just like they're like you're there in service of the other person right oh that's that yeah that clears it up 
because you just kind of hear it. And, you know, a lot of terms, especially when it comes to to mental health and, and you know, talking about with different people, like a lot of terms come up that people mm. use and you're kind of like, wait, what does that mean? Um, I just had um, uh, people on from the Mindful Project, uh, Aaron McLeod and, and Dr. Rachel Landville. We were talking about mindfulness and I was just kind of like, what is it? Like you hear about mm. like, this mindfulness. Okay, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. Just, just go do it. You know, it's mindfulness. So it's, yeah. it's funny. You, know, you just you hear all these things. You're kind of like, huh, I don't even know what that really means. But okay, yeah, I'll, I'll try to do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely think the same thing when it comes to like really big topics or like terms that like are just thrown around. And I think they're thrown around to the point where like everyone just kind of assumes that they understand what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when it comes down to it, it's like, wait, 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 what does it mean though? Like, what are we doing here? Right. Yeah, Cause how can you do it? How can you do it properly without really understanding? And I think a lot of people are kind of afraid to ask. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all, yeah. Um, yeah. It's like almost like when you meet someone new and you're told their name and then you like leave and you forget their name and then you meet them again. You're like, Oh God, like how do I bring it up? That Like, I don't know what your name is, yeah. but I'm also being like kind and like respectful of that fact. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I find particularly interesting, um, you know, when I getting in the prep work done and for our chat, you know, you're, you, you put that, you know, you work with people from diverse backgrounds, experiences, sexualities, gender identities, expressions. Um, that is a very, you know, touchy subject for a lot of people these days. Um, Mm. that's a very polarizing kind of topic. Um, when it comes to, I guess, when you, when it comes to political beliefs and, and social beliefs and, and, you know, you go on the internet and you see a whole bunch of different things going on there. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how, how do I, I phrase the, the question? You know, these people are having, these people, wrong term, but people who are experiencing difficulties when it comes to these certain subjects. Mm-hmm. They, you know, have to deal with a lot on their own end, and then they have the societal implications of everything going on on top of the, that. You know, how hard is it for people experiencing this in the in the world right now? From what you know and in your experience, I hope I phrased that in a in a very nice <laughs> way because I, I meant that truly as a as a, a question. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, it came, it very much came across as a question. Um. And a nice question that is. Um, how do I understand it? Um, yeah, the viewpoint that I have, it's like very much like rooted. So when I was, okay, going way back here, I feel like it's very much like an individual sort of experience. And so we're coming back into that, like holding space for people as they like figure themselves out. Um, So thinking about it, like from my own perspective, um, so like I'm someone like who identifies as uh, female, she, her pronouns. Well, like when I was growing up, um, I like had like this very interesting sort of like uh, coming to discover like my gender and my like gender expression 
So I had like really short hair, like I played with all the boys. Like it's always like this fun like story about like how when I was younger, like I wore uh, like coveralls without like a t-shirt when I was like a little kid. Um, and like I would, like, would, ugh, would wear a backwards hat and like work boots and like want to like be out in the garage with my dad. And like no one ever really like questioned it. They just kind of like let me do it. They let me figure out like what, like how I wanted to express myself. Um, and so like coming into like adulthood or like teenage, well, sorry, teenage years and then adulthood, like I feel like so like grounded and very lucky, very privileged to have had the experience that I did where I had a family who was just very like understanding of I'm just figuring myself out. And so like, that's kind of like the view that I have currently I mean like I feel like people very much are like on a path of discovering who they are in so many ways and like gender and gender expression and gender identity or it's like one of those things where there's so many uh viewpoints that people can have or like ways of thinking about it that's so like strict and narrow and but ultimately like what it does is it limits the people who are actually like living those experiences um which is, I think, like, very heartbreaking, because, like I said, like, I would probably, like, say that I was, like, likely very confused about, like, my gender, like, when I was a kid, but, like, I was in a space where I was supported enough to, like, be comfortable in, like, deciding who I was because of I decided that's who I was, as opposed to being told who I was, which I know that a lot of folks, like, aren't uh like they don't have that that luck to like have that um support in that sort of sense um so I always like I think that's how I think about it like when I'm interacting with people who are uh like navigating their own journeys when it comes to gender and like discovering who they are like I always think about like that experience for myself and I think that that helps ground me in like having compassion and being able to like hold space for people Right. How, did you feel, so I know you said you came like from a loving family and, and you know, we're supposed to support it, but when it comes to, you know, God, high school, um, you know, kind of societal pressures and those boxes that we kind of fit everybody in. And I, I assume you're around the same age as me, where even when we talk about, you know, LGBTQ, um, mm. like that still even wasn't, that big of a thing and that was only like 10 12 15 years ago um, yeah did you you know was there a lot of pressure outside of your family in your own life that made you think oh I have to be this way oh I have to be that way you know I see this commercial doing one thing I see you know mm -hmm. the girls at school doing this thing like was there a lot of pressure that you felt you needed to almost follow yeah, I feel like it was almost pressure that, like, I put on myself, like, based on things. And I think, like, some of that comes down to, like, a lack of representation, um, like, in society or, like, in the media that was present at that time. And I mean, like, it is still, like, not as, uh, like, diverse representation in the media and in society. Like, it still isn't, like, on par as to, like, what, like, a, a heteronormative sort of, uh, uh, lifestyle would be 
so I think that like that definitely informed the way that like I would think about my future and think about who I was. Um, and I think that that is changing little by little from like what I have experienced. Um, so when I was in university, I was part of an organization. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them or not, Ryan. They're called the Get Real Movement. No, I haven't. Oh, they're a really great organization. Um, that I can't remember what, what university they started in. I think Queens, maybe. Um, but it's run by someone named Chris Duter. And uh, he, yeah, started like this organization. He and... Um, his friend, I think, yeah, he and his friend Marley. Um, and so they started this organization that was all about like unlearning homophobia and transphobia and the different sorts of like language practices that people um, learn like as they grow up. And by the time that I was in university, it was to the point where different universities within Canada and some of the states would have like different branches like at their schools. Um, and so I went to Dalhousie, so we had one there. And so what we would do is we'd go into like different schools within, and Dalhousie's in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. So we'd go to different schools within Halifax, like middle schools and high schools, and we give presentations about unlearning, um, like the harmful language practices that we have, like that's so gay and that sort of thing. And we would um, talk about, uh, like what it means to like what we mean when we're talking about like sex and gender and gender expression and that sort of thing. And um, I remember, I think we were, we must've been in like a middle school class. Cause I remember like the, the kids weren't that old. And I remember like asking someone um, like, what does it, like, what does asexuality mean? And like three or four different people like stuck up their hands and they gave like this really like, uh, like in depth, like answer and I was like whoa like when I was in grade seven like that certainly wasn't something that like I even knew what to talk about you know it was kind of like you're gay or you're straight and most people are straight and so like I, I think from that like I I really do feel like there are like a lot of younger folks who um just by the way that things are like changing like as time moves forward like uh, it's becoming more of like a mainstream, not mainstream, but like it's becoming more dominant in society to like be like diverse and to accept diversity and to like be tolerant of like different folks. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if that like answered a question, but like I think back to that a lot, actually. Um, yeah, Super it makes me, yeah. you know, asexuality is still something that doesn't get talked about mm -hmm. like really at all. You know, I, I give the internet uh, a lot of credit for the increase in, um, you know, the, the speed of, of the conversations we're having now. So you, you have a lot of the, the idiots on, on, on Twitter and Facebook who, you know, still spout the, you know, trio stuff and mm -hmm. all that, you know, so you, you get a lot of that bad, but you also get a lot of that good where people who've never had a voice um, have a voice and you can hear from them and you can hear all these different experiences and I've had this conversation a lot on the podcast where you know a lot of it and you'll hear a lot of older people kind of reference it like this is like oh this came out of you know like all of a sudden like all of a sudden like 2016 happened and then all of a sudden we were doing all these things and mm -hmm. like my theory is and 
you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the, my theory is, it's like, no, 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 no. These conversations were always happening, but it, it took social media and the, and the really the rise of the popularity for these conversations to be, reach the masses because they weren't being shown on traditional media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the news, uh, the, the radio, like those things, they weren't being talked about there because, you know, you, you have time and certain things happening and a bunch of things happening on the world. So it, it took, you know, YouTube, it took, you know, mm-hmm. Twitter, where people finally had a voice and were able to form connections of people who think the way they do or feel the way they do, whether that comes to their sexuality or the, the way they express themselves or, or their, you know, their, their gender and, and, and all those different things, mental health, that, mm-hmm. you know, before a lot of the bad that social media brings, there's, there's a lot of good because I know I've learned a ton just from following conversations and um, am I perfect and absolutely not. And that's why I like this podcast and having people like you on or, or Sarah mm-hmm. or, you know, all these people so I can ask these questions genuinely and just learn from them and, and try to get a better perspective and understanding on them. Yeah, no, I agree with that a hundred percent. Um, yeah, it provides like such a space, a space that like never existed before, but I agree that, uh, like the conversations were still happening, but like just weren't really known to like the larger society. Um, yeah, so I agree with that for sure. And it does, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are some positive things to social media. I will say that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it, like I said, it, but the, it's still, it's not there yet. And there's mm. still a lot of that conversation happening. Like I, I said, referencing, you know, asexuality is, is still not a part of really the dialogue outside of, you know, people who might experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how are close to that lifestyle. I remember my my brother, um, and I can say this because he was the first episode of the podcast I did. Um, I remember when he came out when I was six, when when he was 16. So I would have been 18, 19, 20, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I was from a small town. So this small town, you know, there was no, there was never knew any LGBT folks. Um, there was none of that. There was no racial diversity. It was like straight hick white town you know like that's mm-hmm. what, what it was so for him to come out and you know him explore his journey you know referencing what we were talking about a little bit earlier you know a big thing and as a hockey player you mm. know using the the f term i i don't really want to say it because i don't even feel comfortable mm-hmm. saying it anymore because he actually would call me out on it or saying that's so gay or what that's gay mm-hmm. you know he would call me out on that until it was finally you know, I finally, now I can be like, it's, it's gone. I, I don't say that instinctively or subconsciously anymore. And yeah. I think that's just kind of what people need <laughs> to, to reframe their brains and get out of those, those, those habits. Yeah. Like it is very much an unlearning process because uh, like from so such a young age, like you're unknowingly hearing so many things or like unconsciously viewing so many things or hearing so many things um and you don't really have a control over it and because of that you like end up forming these 
I guess just like ways of like thinking or ways of talking and like relating with people that like aren't really like founded in like what you actually believe. Like there are so many times like when I was younger and I'd say something I'd be like, why did I say that? And especially like if someone, if I knew that, or if I had found out, I guess later that it was like a hurtful thing to say, or like, a, um, like not, a, yeah, just not a great thing to say that was like, uh, inclusive. Um, I'd be like, I don't even like really understand why I said that. Like I just said it because like everyone, everyone around me is saying it and like everyone I know says it. Um, and similarly, like I also came from like a smaller town that wasn't very diverse. And I think that it was very, very prevalent there. Um, and it was just kind of like what people did. And uh, it is very much, from my perspective anyway, like an unlearning process that you have to go through. Like if you see value in changing it, then like it, you very much have to like unlearn like the things that you like unconsciously learned. Yeah. And it can be done, but it, it takes work. Um, yeah not like that much work but just a couple times of someone calling you out on it and then you're just yeah then it becomes kind of like it, you'll you'll catch yourself and then before you know it it's gone it's just I, I i definitely find it frustrating how many people are resistant to you know certain things that aren't that big a deal like you go to the, the pronouns conversation and um for, for whatever reason people have such a hard time not referring to people by their the pronouns that they they ask and i'm just mm -hmm. like why is that like the hill why is that the hill that you're you know you're gonna die on i don't understand like just yeah who, like who my, my whole belief in life is just like as long as it doesn't bring harm to me or my family like or like my loved ones then like do what like makes you happy like mm -hmm. and to me as long as you're happy go for it and I support you 100% like that because otherwise it doesn't affect me so mm -hmm. <laughs> why, why would that be my opposition I just don't understand how people go about that like it just does not compute in my head yeah yeah no I, I definitely I feel that for sure um yeah, I think like on top of like the example that you gave of like someone correcting you a few times uh, when you say something and then like changing it to a point where it's like suddenly gone. I think like in addition to that, there has to be like this, like uh, you have to almost like see value in changing it for it to like really stick and for it to like be gone. So I, I think that like people who have a hard time like coming like off their hills of like, oh, this is the thing I'm going to fight until like I die. Uh, there might be like a lack of like desire to change or like a lack of like understanding um, like the value, I guess, in like changing that opinion. I don't know if that makes sense or not, yeah. but I'm just like speaking a little bit here. No, that's okay. That's, that's what you're here for. <laughs> True. <laughs> in, in your, like, I don't know, like, did you study psychology or was like, was that like kind of like the study that led you to, um, you know, your field now? Yeah. So my background is in psychology and gender women's studies. Right. So 
you know, in the field of psychology um, and, and, and what you studied or like, I don't know, in, in any of the readings or the, the research or the, you know, the theories, like, is there a particular way you can go about, like, so you're talking to somebody who is, you know, homophobic. Like, yeah. is there, like, a way, like, that research shows that you could seed the idea of them changing if they don't have the desire? You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're not budging on, on their belief. But is there, like, a, 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 any way that you know of that kind of, like, says that, like, if you take this approach, you have a, a, a way better chance of changing when you say it like that, changing someone's perspective, you know, it sounds cynical mm. and evil, but that you can, you can use to get your point across in a more friendly manner that might make them more susceptible to, to seeing your point of view. Mm. Mm. I feel like, um, it can be hard. It can be really hard to change someone's perspective about, especially about this sort of thing. Um, because I, a lot of it is just like rooted in like not really understanding or like a fear, I guess, um, a fear of change. And I think like part of what would make it easier or maybe not easier, but like more likely to change would be if it was, if, uh, diverse lifestyles were more represented in like the dominant culture like mainstream media so that it was like normalized because like there's this idea like if it's it's almost like hush hush like you don't see it so it doesn't happen so when it like sneaks out it's like this scary thing um so like if it was more like prevalent in the culture and like it was more like widely accessible or like widely viewed that it might not be like this, um, like this scary idea that you like have to change your mind. It would just be like, oh, like that's of course, like that's just how we are, you know. Like that's, I mean, like from my perspective, that's like, um, like heteronormativity and like uh, like heterosexuality is like so, like just widely accepted. It's just because like that's all that we've ever really known. Um, so like if it's within the culture that like there are other ways of like living and loving and relating um then it's like easier to like uh like widen like your your viewpoint i guess right that makes sense to me because you you know even going a few years back when you when you talked about representation you know i didn't have a, a great understanding of it but you know it's true that because even now when you have you know, a, um, you know, a film about, you know, lesbians or, or what have you, you know, it still almost becomes tokenized and, and um, mm -hmm. definitely sexualized for sure. And especially mm -hmm. when you talk about that, but it, like, there's still these certain boxes that, you know, from even women to, to race, to, to gender that they still kind of always fall under. And, and never truly like just break through, right? Like women are always, you know, in a movie, they're, they're guy crazy and fall for a guy who helps them get their life together. Or, um, you know, like I said, like you look at something like, um, you know, Black Swan, which wasn't a, like a lesbian movie, but like mm -hmm. the, the kiss in the story between Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman was definitely like 
super over sexualized and like that's why people went to see the movie just to see that like yeah and you get into things like you know like pornography and 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 all that like it's 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 getting there but it still gets into this certain box and framed a certain way that like it almost i think well it does it, it to me that does it a lot more harm than good especially with you know men men in particular you know i i think back to my bar days and like guys always trying to get girls to kiss and and, mm-hmm. and all those things right like it it doesn't really help the way that at least hollywood and what i'm particularly talking about um does the representation at least right now i mean there's some change but it's still i i even find it that you know the the, the and that must hurt mhm yeah um yeah, you brought up a good point of like the like specific movies or like characters being like the token um, as being like representative of like what it means. Um, there's yeah, I agree with that for sure. And there's so many different things that like go uh, like into play. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a hard one to nail down for sure. Um, I think something that can be like really harmful is when something is taken like the token way or like something that's a token is like taken as like the only way to like be or like the only way that like say someone who uh, is like identifies as straight, they watch like um, a gay movie and they're like, oh, okay. So like that is what it means to be gay and that's what every gay person or every person who identifies as gay, like lives like and thinks like, um, cause it takes away like the individual who like identifies as that, you know? Um, so it, it can be like damaging to, to like take on viewpoints of like lifestyles being a certain way, people being a certain way and people being like, uh, like fixed in those roles without the ability to, um, what's what I'm looking for to like uh, express themselves the way that they like want to. Yeah. Like I think back to, you know, even Will and Grace, which is a great show and it broke a lot of barriers, mm-hmm. but you know, for the longest time, I always thought that like if someone was gay, they had to be super flamboyant. Mm-hmm. And then like, if they weren't, then it's like, Oh, well, you're not gay. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and then, as you get older you start understanding and or, or like broke back mountain like when that movie came out if you watched that as a guy like especially like around like my friends and, and the kind of lifestyle i grew up in like people would call you gay mm-hmm. yeah right? it's just like you just watched the movie <laughs> it's an oscar winner what's wrong yeah. <laughs> like you look back on it and you're like it's so silly but i remember like people being terrified and people would make up rumors oh you watched broke back mountain like Oh, mm-hmm. and then like people would make fun of you at school. It was such like a it's such a weird thing to look back on, but like it still goes on today. Like it's it's not much different for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. It's just one of those things that are like so ingrained, like in the way that you think and like the way that you uh like relate with people. Like I remember being in middle school and like hearing so I guess I should like clarify, like I like identify like as a lesbian, like I have a female partner. Um, so like when I was younger and like just coming into like discovering who I was, like I remember hearing from people that I went to school with in middle school that like if you wore plaid, 
uh, like as a female, like it was like a very like gay thing to do. And like, there was a lot of like negative connotation around that. And I find it really funny because today I'm actually wearing a plaid. Um, (laughs) But so I remember like really just wanting to wear a plaid. I don't know if it was like my, like uh, my little like stake in like coming into my sexuality and being like, oof, like I am gay or not. Um, or if I just genuinely wanted to wear a plaid because I just wanted to wear a plaid because ultimately you don't have to be a lesbian to be a female and wear a plaid. Um, but I remember like selecting like a pink plaid and I didn't mm-hmm. even like pink at the time, but I was like, okay, but if I wear a plaid, then at least I'm wearing like a pink plaid. So that might like offset the fact that people might think that I'm gay if I'm wearing a plaid. And it, there's just so many different things that like, from such a young age too, like you can be uh, like navigating and like, again, they're like stories and like thoughts that like aren't really even yours. They're just things that you're told that you're like, you're trying to navigate. Um, So yeah, it's a very interesting space to, to live in for sure. uh, And you know, this is a little bit personal question. So if you don't want to answer it, I completely understand, but I'm just, I'm just curious because when I talked to my brother, like, we always knew, he always knew, it wasn't a, it was like, so it just, when he came out, we're like, okay, yeah, we know, like, Mm -hmm. move on. You know, growing up, like, were you, like, did you kind of always know? Were you worried about people finding out? Was it like a very confusing, touchy subject? Or like, like, you know, the way you've kind of described at least through now that like, you know, you're a pretty comfortable person and, and comfortable uh, we're, we're comfortable being the way that you were. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, like, it was always something that, like, I thought about. Um, like, I remember being a kid, and the first, the first, like, memory that I have of, like, realizing that, like, I, like, wasn't straight, it was, like, I had a dream about, like, kissing a neighborhood friend of mine who was a girl, and I was probably in, like, grade four, or something like that. So I was quite young, and I remember um, like sitting in the back seat of like my mom's car, like waiting for everyone else to get into the car. So it was just me in like the emptiness of the car. And I remember like thinking about this dream that I must have had like the night before, and like me saying out loud, "I'm a lesbian," <laughs> which like in retrospect is such a funny memory to have, like to like be in that space and like say that um, to like have like such a deep understanding of like how I I understood myself to be um and then of course like I like grew up a little bit and like I had boyfriends and um so it was very much like just kind of like again like exploring who I was and like navigating my space um and then I remember like being in university and like thinking and again it, it wasn't even a thought that was really mine but thinking that like oh like having like crushes on like female friends like all throughout school like it's just a phase like I'm gonna like grow up uh or like get older and like marry a guy and like that's just gonna be Mm. it um but then you like you get a little bit older and you're like oh but like I'm not I'm I wouldn't be happy like in that place so it's clearly like not a phase um it's like a way of being and then it's like a matter of like being comfortable in that space I guess and from my perspective in my experience anyway mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's interesting how people 
like come about who they are like you said you were you can't help people kind of navigate the journey of of who they are and they their identity and for everybody I think it's a lifelong process but it's always interesting to hear that perspective um Mm. and that like it at the end of the day like just like the only reason like it was ever questioned is just because society said that was different but at the end of the day like you kind of always know and that's the way it is just like kind of being hetero you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. it's just like it's just the way of being and like it's not weird (laughs) yeah I always just find that particularly fascinating because you know especially from the time of where where I grew up that that that, like it's just it's not a different really experience other than society telling you it's different and so I just always Mm -hmm. find that particularly interesting yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely a very interesting topic um and so I, I I feel like I have that view or like I think about that when it comes to like many different areas in my life uh I mean like particularly the ones that are um uh, what's the word I want to use for that that are more uh like non-mainstream I guess if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um so like identifying as like a lesbian and being in an open relationship and like uh it's just like a matter of me like challenging the things that like I've always been told my whole life and like holding it up against the light and like assessing it like does that actually like make sense for who I am like who I understand myself to be who I want to be and like the lifestyle that I want to live um and sometimes it's not. And then it's like a matter of like, well, how do I go about like changing that or like unlearning that? How do I like seek support in that space? Um, how do I have the difficult conversations that I feel like I need to have? Um, yeah. So it is very much like a constant for me, for me and my perspective anyway, uh, like a constant interacting in my world and trying to determine for myself like how do I want to live and what's the kind of life that I want to have right and like I love that and I have such admiration for for you and you know for Sarah and meeting the both of you because you know not to get into it too deeply but you know there's you have made the choice to actually live your life the way that you you want and like explore the things like your your desires and to talk your way through them and you know like someone like myself you know who's very restricted um self self-restricted but there's mm-hmm. there's things that i've never done just be because of you know judgment or mm-hmm. fear of what you know people would say or damage to reputation or you know all those different things and so when like when I was first talking to Sarah and, and she brought that up, it was just like, you know, like, whoa, like one, you never meet people. I mean, I hope now as we move, as we were just talking how society's progressing, you'll start more and more, mm-hmm. but like, you know, never under like met someone who, who lived a lifestyle like that and to have people be open and, and at least answering questions. Cause I know it probably gets trivialized too. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, you know you don't want to come across as rude or or you know anything like that but I just I have a lot of respect 
for people who just like who live their lives the way like they want to and free from all those kind of barriers that a lot of us set up ourselves mm-hmm. and, and aren't willing to break through and I just it's it's like it's great to hear and learn and, and talk about it yeah because I think like what um obviously this can't be from like uh like in every case but like what makes it harder for people to like actually break through the barriers and like uh feel comfortable like exploring things that they want to explore and like living a lifestyle they want to live is in my opinion like yeah like a lack of representation of like different ways of being um and so that's why i don't really have a problem with talking about things like if i'm asked certain things because like i there's so many different ways to be a like a human being and there's so many ways of like living even if like you held up like two different people they're both uh like they both live in ottawa they're both gay they both like work the same job like whatever like the way that they decide to live their life in those identities is likely very different if you hold them up side by side. So like, Mm. I guess I just like to like express that there is like so much individuality and that it's okay to be different. um, And that it's okay to like take time to figure out, like to become like, like intimate with yourself and like, like learning who you are and like exploring who you are and like, um, like learning how to be comfortable with that. So many of us are scared of it. I know myself, mm. you know, I'm definitely trying, but yeah, that, that might be one of the hardest things. And I think that's where a lot of problems stem, especially as mm-hmm. you get older, um, you know, all the, the frustrations, whether you're lashing out on your partner, you're on the internet, on people at the grocery store, you know what I mean? Like, it's just all these seated frustrations that you've never took the time to deal with or think about or explore just kind of you know bubble up to the top and then before you know it you're mm-hmm. this angry seven-year-old man yelling at people to get off the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's putting it lightly for some of the things that people do but yeah you know it's just it's it sounds so easy when mm-hmm. you just when you just say it but like to actually go out and do it mm-hmm. and I think that just and you know that it's just a perfect way to highlight like just how difficult lives are for people who I guess quote unquote like you said don't you know fit that that mainstream way of living that quote unquote you know human identity that mm-hmm. the people who kind of go against that grain and choose to live out um, whether that's sexually or or whatever how more difficult it is for them just because so many of us won't do it ourselves but we'll criticize them for it but you know Mm -hmm. what I mean it's it's, uh it's a delicate world but it's 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 I just you know a lot of respect and admiration like I said um and and to learn about the different like how like individuality is just so important and to, Mm -hmm. to get out there it's just it's good yeah, I agree. 100%. <laughs> um, before I let you go, I, I, I just I want to ask the question. Yeah. Um, journaling. So mm-hmm. 
I know, I know, um, I, I attended one of your workshops with uh, Sarah from Octopied Mind and, you know, while I was talking about journaling, that's something, since you brought that up, I've, I've been particularly fascinated in and um, I'm just kind of curious, why does journaling help and, you know, if you don't mind sharing, what does it do for you that makes it so beneficial? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like journaling is something, it's something so important to like my like mental and emotional health. Um, so I love talking about it. And Sarah likes to make jokes about that. I have like so many journals and like, I'm always like filling them up and carrying them around. Um, but yeah, so for me, so I started journaling like more seriously. Uh, I guess it was like probably five years ago now. For some reason, like I had heard somewhere that like journaling was like helpful. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. And so I remember like having such a hard time with it. And I would sit down and I'd like write out like to do lists. And then I would feel bad about like those lists and being like, I don't understand like what I'm doing this for. Um because I didn't really resonate with it at the time. It, again, it was like, I heard that like journaling is helpful, so I'm going to give it a try. Um, and then like, I kept coming back to it because I kept, I don't know, like, I guess I saw value in like trying to figure it out. Um, and so I would like write down like a few thoughts about like my day because also like, I think that like, so like growing up, um, I have a grandmother who like, like without a doubt, like writes in her her diary every day and like it's just about like what she did that day who she saw like so maybe she called her her daughter she called like someone else and like the conversation that they had and so I kind of had this idea that like journaling was like a diary and like I didn't really want to write like write about my day like I I didn't want to write about like what I had for breakfast or whatever who I talked to um but on the same time like I had like all of these like things that I was like trying to work through internally and like trying to figure myself out and sometimes I didn't really want to talk about it with anyone like I just wanted to like express it in a way that like I felt safe in doing so um so I kept trying and I would just like write about things and sometimes it would just be like I had a bad day and then like the next day would be like I had a bad day because of this and then like I just kept coming back to this idea of like just keep trying like keep examining your thoughts like uh, you have something to say, like you have all these feelings, like you have a means of like putting them like pen to paper. So just keep trying. And so it was fine. And I remember like um, having a really bad day in school, just being like, so I don't know what I was angry about. Just a moody 20 year old, I guess. You need janks. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, like coming back from class and I just like sat on my bed and I opened up my journal and like I wrote for like four or five pages straight in like just chicken scratches probably didn't make a lot of sense um but like at the end I was just so exhausted and I like felt like this complete like cathartic like release of just like I what it would be the same thing as if you had like so much to talk about and you finally like got with your friend and you just like unloaded all this stuff on them um, and you're like, whoa, like, I didn't know that I needed to say that until I said it. Um, so like, that's the way that I think about it. And for me, like I, it helps me because it's a way of kind of like reality checking my thoughts because like, I can like very easily get caught up in like negative thinking patterns. 
Um, and so like when I take something from my head and put it onto paper, I'm able to like reread it and be like, oh, but that actually doesn't hold up because X, Y, or Z reason, you know, um, it could be anything, but it's almost like, like proofreading, like a paper. Like when I write it down, I'm able to go back and be like, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Or no, actually like that doesn't really hold up and here's why. Um, so it's just a way that like I'm in conversation with myself, I guess is like a really easy way to put it. Um, like someone that I see value in talking with every day and like checking in with. Um, so I guess I use journaling as a bit of like a mirror. Like I, I use it to look at myself and to examine what I'm going through on a daily basis or like a, you know, a, uh, I try to do daily writing, but sometimes it's like every other day, but yeah, way of looking at myself. Right. Well, because you, I started trying. So thank you for mm-hmm. allowing me to, or giving me the, uh, I guess the inspiration to, to, to give it a shot and, and see where it yeah. goes. So We'll Definitely. check in and I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> For sure. And sometimes it can be hard when it's like a blank page. So like I have like a few journals that are like prompted. So like it'll ask you a specific question and then you can write from there. Um, so that might be a good avenue to take if you are uh, like thinking about starting some writing. Mm. Yeah, because I'm never short on things to say. That's for sure. Um, and sometimes <laughs> social media is not the best place for me to put out my thoughts. So <laughs> um, yeah once you said it I was kind of like oh that might be a good idea that might be right up my alley so um, yeah thank you, can you. Try it. listen no um, worries I really appreciate you coming on and, and having a chat uh, thoughts undone um, is uh, you know your website and, and kind of like the I guess the online profile you go by mm-hmm. where can people find you um, I, can they book your ser- any services with you um, you know give them give the old plug yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, you can find me on Instagram at thoughts.undone. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Thoughts Undone. Uh, I think it might be Thoughts Undone Counseling. Yeah, Thoughts Undone Counseling. Um, currently, that's where I am just on Instagram and on Facebook. Actually, never mind. I do have a website. I cannot forget about that, uh, which is just thoughtsundone.com. And actually, that's how it's started was I started Thoughts Undone like while I was in school I started it as a blog um, and that kind of formed into like my my actual website when I like transferred over and like made services available so yes you can book services at Thoughts Undone and the link uh, to that is also like in my Instagram page you can book from there Um, yeah Thoughts Undone. Excellent well I appreciate the conversation Uh, very informative and uh... Uh, you know, gave me a lot of time. So uh, take care. I know right now is really weird. So mm-hmm. um, I hope you're doing okay. And I definitely look forward to catching up with you and Sarah down the road. Thank you. And thank you so much again, Ryan, for having me on. It was such a pleasure to like have this time and space to connect with you. And I know that we did the workshop together, but it's good to like actually like chat with you. Absolutely. Uh, and very much hope that you're doing okay and all this COVID stuff and uh, taking care of yourself. And I look forward to connecting with you again. Perfect. All right. Thoughts undone, Sarah. Oh, I was gonna say Sarah. There we go, Sydney. <laughs> Sydney, everybody. Bye. Thank you. See you. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.